Amen. Thank you. Uh, Today we close out our With Honor series. This has been a very powerful series, very personal series uh, for me. Uh, If you missed any of this one, three-parter. If you missed the other parts, you can pick up a CD back at the resource table, or you can listen on our website, rockbrook.org. We've got our sermons on there. Actually, you can listen to some of the oldies and goodies there. But I want to encourage you to take out your uh, message outline out of the worship folder. We're about to delight ourselves in God's Word, and one of the ways we do that is by filling in the blanks and circling and underlining words and writing some stuff down. Part one of this series, we looked at the last book of the Old Testament. We looked at the book of Malachi, and where God asked the question, he says, where is the honor? And we determined that honor actually starts in our heart. And we defined honor as placing value, worth, importance, weight on someone or something. And dishonor is the opposite. When you honor someone, you place weight on them. When you dishonor them, you take them lightly. And this concept of not taking God lightly actually is rooted in the Ten Commandments. You know the the commandment that says not to take the Lord's name in vain? The Hebrew word there for vain means to take it lightly. When we reduce God's name to a swear word, to just a throwaway word when we're irritated, we take God lightly. We dishonor God. And God says don't do that. Because honor is a big deal. It's a big deal to God and he wants it to be a big deal. To us. So where is the honor? Starts in the heart. When we recognize, we recognize God's value, God's importance, God's weight. Last week we looked at, well then who do we honor? Uh, and God has established uh, institutions that he wants us to honor. And we looked at six of those. And we want to honor others, honor authority, honor family, honor parents, honor nature, and, and ultimately honor God. This week, we're going to put the icing on the cake. We're going to look at how do we honor. We're going to start by reading Romans 12.10 out loud together. It's on the screen. Let's read this out letter. And don't, don't read it in your little uh, golf clap kind of a voice. Read it in your, hey, I really love the royals kind of a voice. Okay. So here we go. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Honor one another above yourselves. I esteem others. I lift others up. I, I regard others. I consider others. I elevate others. Why? Because our culture loves to put people down. Our culture loves to... It's like we're, we're down so far, the only way we can elevate ourselves is just to push others down lower than us. And you just watch in, in our culture, most humor these days, it's just put-downs sitcoms and comedians, it's all insults and digs, and it's either that or dirty. You know, the, it, God calls us, he calls those of us in the church to a higher calling. He says, don't act like that. And so I want to start today by giving you three things that, that you can do to give value, worth, importance, weight to the things that God calls us to honor. How do we honor? Well, first of all, if I'm going to show honor to someone or something, I must prioritize it. Whatever you honor, whoever you honor, you put it first. At a wedding reception, you don't rush up to the line before they run out of meatballs. You look around, is there somebody here, that, an elderly person, or someone that deserves the honor, the preference to go ahead of me? You know, even just in everyday life, in the, in the checkout line in the store, places like that, we're just always looking for the shortest line and seeing who's got how much stuff, and hey, they got 15 items, it says 12 only, and you know, we're just jockeying for position. You know, patience, gentleness, it's a virtue. 
fact, they're spiritual gifts, gifts of the Holy Spirit. What if we just slowed down the pace and, and learned to wait? What if we were gentlemen and gentle ladies, people of honor? We said, no, that's okay, go ahead. I you know, esteem others higher than yourselves. For one thing, your blood pressure would go down. Yeah, the world would be a much more pleasant place. We weren't all just jockeying for position all the time. But whatever is first is honored. You prioritize it. That's why Proverbs 3 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. The message paraphrase says, Give God the first and the best. Why? Because we're going to honor Him. We prioritize Him. Second, if you want to honor someone or something, you praise it. Praise it. Because our words either honor or dishonor. Our words either honor or dishonor. There are no neutral words. Jesus said that every word that comes out of your mouth, you'll give an account for one day. Why? Because our words have power. The Bible says the power of life and death is in the tongue. You can either speak words that bring life or you can speak words that destroy. Look at James 3.9. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. You know, when you curse, gossip, slander other people, God takes it personally. God takes it personally. Remember from week one, the honor rests in, not in the character of the person, it rests in God's claim on their life. The fact that they have been made in the image and likeness of God. The fact that God has established them, placed them in whatever role or authority they have. They're made in God's image. That's why we honor them. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. We're showing dishonor with our words. This should not be. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. If you want to honor someone, speak words that build them up. Speak words that that meet their needs. Speak words that benefit them. And then it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God. And it's not introducing a new topic. This isn't a whole different thing. This isn't some rabbit trail. No, this this, this discussion of grieving the Holy Spirit is stuck right into a section that talks about how we treat one another. And it's there for a reason. Because God is telling us that when we snap at our husbands, snap at our wives, snap at our kids, when we gossip or complain or gripe about other people, when a smutty joke or unwholesome talk comes out of our mouth, it grieves God breaks his heart when we do that. That's why it's so important to speak the language of honor to one another because it keeps us from breaking God's heart. Number three, to honor someone or something, I must protect it. The things that are valuable to you, you protect. Ladies, that's why you hold on tightly to your purse. That's why, guys, you hold on your wallet when you walk through certain places. It's why you put on a helmet when you ride your bike. It's why you put your kid in a car seat. Why you lock your door. Because what you value, you protect. And here's the principle. The more you value it, the more you value from it. The more you value it, the more you value from it. That's why I'm nudging you to take notes during these messages. Because the more you value the message, the more you value from the message. That's true with, with, with the whole service. I mean, if this is just a once-a-week event for you, then it, you know, it doesn't hold much value. You're not going to get a lot out of it. It's true with our growth track events. 
You know, every, every first Sunday of the month, we teach 101 Church. Second Sunday of every month, 201 Essentials, the habits of the Christian life. 301, this is the third Sunday of the month. We do 301 this afternoon. That's where we teach you your spiritual gift, your personality, your passion. Help you connect the dots so you know where to serve. 401 of each month is Dream Team. That's where you get, we get you connected with a ministry team so you can serve. Well, if you just view those, those events as one-time things, kind of some bureaucratic hoop that you have to jump through, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. The goal is to give you information that you value, you honor it, you give it some weight, you let it shape, and guide, and uh, even drive your life. It becomes a lifestyle. You live a purpose-driven life. That's the goal. Look at John 7, 18. It says, He who speaks on his own does so to gain honor for himself. But he who works for the honor of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There's nothing false about him. See, we don't just speak on our own behalf. We don't just live to gain honor for ourselves. We live and work and speak for the honor of the one who sent us. We live lives of truth and integrity, not vanity and falsehood. How do we honor? I I love the the picture given for us in 2 Timothy 2.20. It says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. You know, in in, in a great house, probably in your house, you have dishes of honor that are used for special occasions. Maybe they're the china you got when you got married and they've been in the cabinet and you've never used them. You're going to use them at your 50th anniversary. Okay? You've got dishes of honor that are on display. And then you've got dishes that are, you know, under the sink that you just use all the time. Dishes of, of honor, dishes of dishonor, dishes for special occasions, dishes, dishes for everyday use. It says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, that means set apart, made holy for a specific use, useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So let me just take this out of the dish network. Let me apply it to your life here. In, in your life... It's easy to let areas of your life get out of control. It's easy to let areas of your life get contaminated to the point that you aren't fit to be used by the master. Now, God still loves you. And if, you, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're saved. You're forgiven. You're bound for heaven. Heaven's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about can God use you here on earth because you're fit enough to be used. Now, God can use almost any kind of vessel. God can use uh, big ones, small ones, tall ones, short ones. God can use vessels with handles and vessels with spouts. God can use vessels with lids, vessels that have flipped their lids. God can use clay pots and crack pots. God loves to take broken vessels and repair them and use them. God can use almost any vessel. But there's one vessel that God won't use that God can't use. And that's an unclean vessel. God can't use it. Why? Because God can't have anything to do with sin. Can't have anything to do with sin. That's why Jesus Christ had to come and die. Christ came to eradicate sin. That's why God couldn't look at Jesus when he was on the cross. God forsook him, turned his back on him, because in that moment on the cross, Jesus bore your sin, my sin, in his body. And God had to turn away. He had to. 
Because God's perfect and righteous. He can't abide sin. Now it's our faith in Jesus Christ's death on the cross that saves us. It's our faith in Christ that gives us a right standing before God. It's through Christ's righteousness that you and I get into heaven. And when we get into heaven, there's no sin there. It's perfect. It's holy. There's no sin there. But while we live here on earth, in these earthly bodies, in these earthen pots, the Bible calls them jars of clay, while we live here, sin is a problem. It's a problem. Because the world, just the world system itself, the devil, our own flesh are working against us. And this is a real struggle with real consequences. The rewards we receive in heaven are at stake. The glory and honor of God are at stake. That's why, that's why how you live matters. That's why how you deal with your sin matters. Jesus addresses the, the epic nature of this struggle. Luke twenty two thirty one. He makes this statement to one of his followers. It's Simon Peter. We know him most often as Peter, but his name is Simon Peter. And here Jesus calls him Simon. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Satan has asked God for permission to test and try Peter. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Notice that Jesus did not pray that Simon would not be sifted. Jesus did not pray that Simon would not have to face Satan's test. Jesus prayed that he would pass the test, not skip it or miss it. And what's true for Simon Peter is also true for you. Satan wants to sift you is wheat. He wants to crush you, thrash you, toss you around, sort you out, put you through the grinder, see what you're made of, give you a season of real spiritual struggle. Why? Because he wants to see what God is able to do. He wants to put God to the test. He wants to put you to the test. Why does God allow that? Because God wants to demonstrate his power, demonstrate his glory. God wants to test you. God wants to find out, are you a vessel of honor, a vessel of value, worth, weight, importance? Are you a vessel fit for the master's use? It's not a matter of salvation. You know, if you've trusted in Christ, you're assured of heaven. This is a question of how you live out your life here on earth. This is a question of living a lifestyle that's useful for God. Now, you have to be very, very careful when you read this verse. Because your flesh is going to want you to get all wounded and hurt. And the devil is going to whisper in your ear, you're unclean, you're dirty. God said so. God doesn't like you. Pastor Kelly's judging you. The church is condemning you. If that's what you're hearing right now, I'm dirty, I'm useless, you're not getting the message of this passage. Because this is not a message of condemnation. This is a message of hope. So don't close up on this message and withdraw thinking, oh, you're calling me dirty, you're calling me unclean, you're calling me useless, you're condemning me. No, the message is just the opposite. This is your way out. This is your way out of this. You know, in our houses, we have vessels that are clean and we have vessels that are dirty. We have vessels that are clean and ready for use and we have vessels that are in the sink that need to be washed. And when it comes time for me as the master of the house to use a dish, I don't walk to the sink and grab one that's got egg yolk crusted all over it. I walk to the cupboard and I grab a clean one. 
God says that he has a variety of vessels in his house. God says only the clean vessels can be used. Kelly, I thought God cleaned me up when I got saved. Yes, you were justified when you were saved. But the Bible says that once you're justified, now you need to be sanctified. It's salvation, justification, it's not the only goal. The only goal is not just to get you into heaven. The goal is to get you to live a life here that's useful for the master. That's sanctification. And so we have to, we got to hold these three truths in tension. And the first truth is this, that there's absolutely nothing you can do to save yourself. There's nothing you can do that gets you clean enough, good enough to go into heaven. Nothing. Only trusting in Jesus Christ can do that. But it is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ that you're saved. Now, there are two other truths that you have to hold in tension with that one. And, and one of them is found in this Second Timothy 2 passage. It says, because it says, after I'm saved, I can still sin. After I'm saved, I can sin to the point that I can become unuseful to the master. God's not going to use a plate with dried egg on it. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, if you cleanse, purge, purify yourself, if you stop doing dishonorable things, if you stop thinking dishonorable thoughts, if you stop using dishonorable words, if you stop associating with dishonorable people, and look what happens when we confess, repent, when we change our behavior, change how we live, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, set apart, holy, and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. You get cleaned up, you can be used greatly. This isn't a message of judgment, this is a message of hope. Now you need to hold the two other truths in tension here. One, the first one that we need is that salvation is all Christ's work. I, I play no part in salvation except trusting in Jesus Christ. Sanctification is God's work. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sanctification is God's work. But I also play a part. That's what 2 Timothy 2 is telling me. He says I must cleanse, purge, purify. 1 John 1.9 I must confess. I've got to repent. I must turn from my sin. In order to get myself cleaned up, I got to participate with God in the process of sanctification. Why? Because it's about the heart. It's about the heart. You're not an inanimate object with egg yolk dried on you. You're a living, breathing person with a heart and a will and a mind and emotion who struggles with sin. And so you've got to participate in God's process of sanctifying you. So how do I become a vessel of honor? Five things. Number one, never consider yourself above temptation. Never consider yourself above temptation. While you are sitting here right now, the devil is customizing a temptation, a test, a trial, just to sift you like wheat, just to snag you. He's like a master fisherman using just the right bait, just the right lure, and he'll cast that baby out there and drop it in just the right spot and work it just right so you take the bait. That's what he's doing. Satan desires to sift you like wheat. And sometimes I think 
he works harder trying to make it happen than you and I work trying to prevent it. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. You and I have got to live our lives every day recognizing we are one step away from stepping in the devil's trap. We're never above temptation. The devil is serious about catching you. More serious than you are about getting caught. And he is serious, but he is not in a hurry. He is not in a hurry. He will take a lifetime to snag you. So you've got to reduce the odds somehow. You've got to set up some guardrails, some guidelines, some barriers. We need to know what our breaking point is in every area of life. Physically, emotionally, financially, spiritually, relationally. You've got to know yourself, know your weak spots, and learn to honor God with your body by resisting temptation and not falling for it. Number two, to be a vessel of honor, you must monitor your spiritual health. Above all else, circle that phrase, above all else. If you honor it, you prioritize it. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Now, to honor God with my physical body, I have to monitor my physical health. I've got to weigh myself, check my blood pressure, check my blood sugar. I watch my cholesterol. I watch my PSA. I watch all kinds of stuff. In order to honor God with my spirit, I need to monitor my spiritual health. I check my spiritual temperature to make sure I'm hot for God because I don't want my spiritual health to fail. Now, in the summer, people can put their spiritual life, their spiritual health on hold. We see that in churches all the time. In the summer, attendance goes down, giving goes down, involvement goes down. I mean, mean, summer is just a, a time when people actually put themselves at risk spiritually. Kids and teens do this, moms do this, dads do this. Summer, summer can diminish our spiritual health. And that's why we're doing 21 days of fasting and prayer in August. August 10th through the 30th. We're going to pull ourselves. Why are you doing it in August? Because we're going to pull ourselves out of our spiritual summer doldrums And we're going to get ready for school and get ready for small groups in the fall. And we're going to get ready to reap a great harvest in our fall spiritual growth campaign. We're going to check our spiritual health and we're going to make corrections and improvements. Because we want to be vessels of honor. Number three, to be a vessel of honor, you must maintain your marriage. Now, if you're single, take real good notes because I'm going to get to you in a moment. Okay? But the Bible says in the end times, marriage will be under attack. And so your marriage is under attack. Hebrews 13.4, marriage should be honored by all. And the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. You know, that passage is written to believers. It's not written to the world. It's written to the church. It's written to believers. Marriage should be honored by all. Circle that word honored. And the marriage bed kept pure. Circle that word pure. God says, you you need to do this. You need to honor and maintain your marriage. He just lays it out for us in 1 Corinthians 7. It says, but because of immoralities, each man is to have his own wife, and each woman is to have her own husband. The husband must fulfill his duty to his wife, and likewise also the wife to her husband. You have to maintain your marriage. 
Don't let pride and arrogance and selfishness and busyness and uh, don't let it keep you from maintaining your marriage. You know, if you're married, get close again. If there are wounds, ask for forgiveness. Forgive each other. Woo one another. Instead of trying to win the fight, win her heart. Win his heart. Stay close to one another. Pursue one another. Honor one another. Be available for one another. Chase one another. Let yourself get caught. You maintain your marriage. Protect your marriage. Now, if you're single, you need to maintain yourself for your future marriage. You know, make sure that your relational needs are met in proper relationships. Get your relationship, uh, relational needs met in a way that maintains your purity, as well as your spiritual and emotional health. Don't let your emotional life get so run down that you just give yourself to any guy who says you're pretty. Don't do that. Don't put yourself into situations where you're tempted physically. You know, honor your future marriage by honoring your present singleness. Don't give yourself away. Save it. Maintain it. Let me just tell you, if you're sexually active in a premarital relationship, if you're living with somebody, you, you need to confess your sin. You need to receive God's forgiveness and let him clean you up. You know, and then you need to decide. You either need to break that relationship off because it's not healthy. I mean, there's a reason why you, you haven't gotten married, why you're waiting so long. Or you just need to go through some premarital counseling and make a decision and honor God by getting married. Honor each other by getting married. Why? Because you're damaging the very foundation that you need in order to make the relationship work. God says, honor marriage. Keep the marriage bed pure because the one thing that makes marriage unique is physical intimacy. That's the one area where you're becoming, the two become one flesh. And when you mess with that, you're messing with the foundation of the relationship. And it won't stand, it won't last. That's why it's important to maintain the physical part of your marriage. Number four, you also need to guard your mind. Because your mind is the gate where all this junk comes in that makes you a dirty dish in the sink that's unfit for the master's use. You're listening to the wrong stuff. You're watching the wrong stuff. You've got to check your music list. You've got to check your internet list. You've got to check your movie list. And there's book list. There's stuff in there that's not honoring God. Get rid of it. Get it out of there. Purge yourself. Clean your vessel for the master's use. Paul says in Romans, don't get caught up in sexual immorality. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about, circle that phrase, think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Don't think about gratifying the desires of the flesh because it starts in the mind. If you want to think about something, think about Christ. If you want to think about something, don't think about gratifying the desires. Look at number five. You need to magnify the consequences of moral failure. One of, one of Satan's greatest tricks is he gets us to focus on the pleasure of sin and, and ignore the pain of the consequences of sin. I mean, he's just a master at painting this glowing picture of how pleasant sin will be. And oh, it's just going to be so great. And oh, it's just, and you deserve it. And oh, it's just going to be wonderful and it's going to be marvelous until you do the sin. And then he comes in with all the consequences the guilt, the shame, the brokenness. Key is to beat him in his own game. You want to magnify the consequences and minimize the pleasure of sin. 
You know, just, just think through, make a list of what it would be like if you failed in this area. Instead of thinking about all the pleasure, think about all the cost, about the pain. And I get tempted. I just, I just think, what, what would a moral failure cost me? First, I, I would grieve the Lord who redeemed and saved me. I don't want to do that. Second, I will face God's judgment differently than you because I'm, I'm a leader in the church. The Bible says that leaders in the church are, face a greater judgment. And that's why I'm not only concerned about my personal sin, but I'm concerned about your sin. That's why I push you to come out of your sin. That's why I push you to grow and be and do all that God wants you to be. Not only because it's good for you, because I'm going to be judged on how well I do it. And if you want to be complacent in your sin, that's your choice. But if I don't speak about it, I become complicit in your sin, and God's going to judge me harshly for that, and frankly, I'm not up for it. Jesus said it would be better to have a millstone tied around your neck and be thrown into the sea than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. And as a pastor, my moral failure could cause people, families, little ones to turn their back on the Lord and the church. I don't want to be judged for that. I can't afford that failure. I'd disappoint my wife and children and grandchildren. I'd lose my legacy, my heritage. I don't want to leave that kind of legacy for my kids and grandkids. I'd throw away 37 years of education and hard work. I don't want to do that. You know, you magnify the consequences and you realize there's no sinful pleasure worth that cost. There's no sin worth that. I ain't signing up for that. And so you live your life as though there are no secrets, because there aren't. And you take the necessary precautions to correct and protect yourself. You stop doing the wrong thing. You start doing the right thing. You watch, you pray, you create a set of standards that you follow. Because this is important. It's worthy of honor. And you may say, oh man, this is just so hard. I just want to feel God's grace. I just want God to love me. Well, God loves you. And when you sin, you don't lose God's love. You don't lose God's love, you lose your influence. You lose your reward. You lose the opportunity to be used in this life. That's what you lose. You know, when you sin, God loves you. It's people who don't. That's why the Lord says, I've already forgiven you when you've trusted in Christ, but you need to purge yourself. You need to cleanse yourself from anything that's keeping you from being unfit. Not so you'll go to heaven. Jesus has that covered. But God needs you to be a vessel fit for the master's use here, now. And so he invites us, clean up. Clean up. He's made a way. He's made a way for us. Just check yourself emotionally, spiritually, physically, financially, uh, relationally, maritally, and become a vessel fit for the master's use. Let's pray together. I want to invite you just in this moment to, to just say, God, what are you saying to me? Just say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Search me, O God. Know my heart. See if there's any unclean thing in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. Just ask God, God, what, what's my area? What's my one thing? What, what's the thing that you want to clean out of my life?
Is it related to my health, my diet and exercise? Is it related to my marriage, my intimacy, my closeness? Do I need to renew a vow of purity? Do I need healing in my emotions? Do I need bitterness removed? Do I need you just to make me whole? God, I just pray that you'd bring honor back into our lives. That in the areas where we're tempted, that you would purge us, that you would make us fit, that you would make us useful. God, restore our intimacy with you. Help us to be able to walk and talk and work and serve with you, to know you and you know us. No secrets, no distance, no, no barriers. Because we're clean. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.